Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. We're going to talk about prayer until the power of prayer grips our hearts. We don't just want it to be a topic of conversation. We want it to be something that becomes the very lifeblood of our church. And to do that, we're going to go to that prayer that we've just spoken together. It's the prayer that Jesus gave his disciples when they asked him, how do we pray? And so, as my iPad opens my message that's shut itself down today, we're going to ask that question, Lord, teach us to pray. It must have been interesting for the disciples. For these guys, prayer was not foreign to them. It's not like they observed something new for the first time in Jesus. It's not like they looked in from the outside and thought, what is this new spiritual practice that we are not familiar with? They were part of a community in a time where prayer was regular, it was often, and it was part of the fabric of the world in which they lived. They prayed regularly, they prayed at set times most days, they prayed around meals, they prayed around significant festivals, they had scripted prayers, they had formal prayers, they had gaps in their prayer where they could add their own words in. See, prayer was not a foreign concept to the disciples. More than that, Jesus' reputation was starting to build. And so people would have looked at this group of guys that had been gathered around him and thought to themselves, Man, there must be something special about them. I mean, they've been gathered to Jesus. He's doing some pretty cool stuff. People are getting healed. People are getting delivered. Some of his teachings are revolutionary. We have never heard God's word unpacked and spoken like this before. The disciples, because of proximity, must have been gaining some form of reputation. It's interesting, isn't it, when we start to gain a reputation that we carry the expectations with that reputation. Like everyone would expect, if you were the pastor of a church, your prayer life is all together, right? Some of you are thinking, well, we've been in church our whole life. We better act like we have this together. I wonder if the disciples thought to themselves, not only have we grown up in a culture where prayer is a consistent, regular part of our practice, we're now hanging out with a guy that's gaining some reputation. We better pretend like we know how to get the most out of this prayer thing. Yet something in them found something in the life and model of Jesus that compelled them to ask this very simple question that we find in Luke chapter 11. And the Lord's Prayer is uh, written about twice in the Gospels. If you're unfamiliar with the Scripture, there's four books in the Bible that tell the story of Jesus, each from different perspectives and each drawing out different elements. But in some of those accounts, we find familiar stories. And Matthew and Luke both talk of this moment where Jesus speaks to his disciples about how to pray. The text is slightly different. The prayer we just prayed comes from Matthew's account. But in Luke's account, he adds something that Matthew doesn't. In Luke 11, chapter 1, the disciples come to Jesus after observing a time of prayer and say to him, Lord, teach us to pray. So compelled were they by the prayer life of Jesus that they wanted to learn to pray. More than that, he says, teach us just as John taught his disciples. You see, John uh, took those that surrounded him and actually given them some words to speak. And so Jesus' disciples craved the same thing. Lord, teach us to pray. Let me ask the question this morning, what is your history with prayer? 
Some of you are probably just like the disciples that you've grown up in a world where prayer is a regular part of what you do. You grow up where you sat around the table and you said a prayer for the meal. We had a prayer that we said every night. It was the same prayer. I can roll it off my tongue and not even really realize what I'm saying. We used to just say, God bless his food, for which we are truly thankful for Christ's sake. Amen. See how quickly I do that? I haven't prayed that prayer before a meal for a long time, but it was a regular prayer that we prayed just to stop and acknowledge God for his faithfulness and goodness and provision around our meals. Some of us have grown up in the church. We're very accustomed to the idea of prayer, but I wonder if there's some of us that are sitting here today saying we might be accustomed to the idea of prayer, but there's still something missing for us. We, like the disciples, want to ask the same question, Lord. If this thing's really important, teach us to pray. Because my experience of it right now is, is not quite what I imagined that it could be. I wonder if there's some of us here today that prayer is just a foreign concept. And if that's the case for you, maybe you found your way here to Gateway Ormo and you're just interested in discovering more about who God is or you've got some doubts that you just decided it's time to actually go and unpack those. You're just fascinated by the idea of Christian community or the local church. Maybe you've just been dragged along here, maybe for the first time or maybe for a long time by someone in your family and you just kind of faithfully come with them because it's a good thing to do. But maybe prayer is a foreign concept. You've never actually uttered a prayer in your life. Or today when you stood and spoke with us, it's the first time you've uttered a prayer. And if someone asked you to pray, you wouldn't even know how to pray or where to start or why you would even bother. Maybe some of you have uttered a prayer or two. Maybe, maybe prayer hasn't been a regular habit, but it's not a foreign concept. But you've uttered a prayer or two, and usually you've uttered that prayer or two when you've just got to that point in your life where every other opportunity and uh, every other resource has been exhausted, where every other avenue for change has come to an end, or whether you're right in the midst of a crisis and you've just done one of those Hail Mary prayers that he said, if there's someone out there and you can affect some change right now, I'm just going to ask you to come and do something right now. Just listen to the rhetoric on the TV of people that have had no faith heritage or no faith leaning. When something goes wrong, they say, we're all sending our love and our prayers to you. You see, some of us, prayer has just been the Hail Mary, get out of jail free, last chance for someone to intervene in my mess scenario. And maybe for you, that's what prayer has looked like in your life. Or maybe for others, it's been part of your life, but it is just a religious duty. When we announced the prayer time coming up, you quickly scramble to invite someone over for dinner so you've got a good excuse as to why you're not there. Because in your spirit, you know that prayer is a good idea, but in your experience, you would probably rather watch the paint dry on the walls of your house. But you'll never tell anyone that because you're a good, faithful Christian person that doesn't want to admit that that's how you felt about prayer. See, I wonder if all these things were going on for the disciples. When they say to Jesus, teach us to pray, their request isn't born out of a lack of knowledge or experience. It's born out of a desire to capture something that they've observed in the life of Jesus. Whatever your background or experience is in prayer, I want to ask today this term, are you willing humbly to stand together with each other and say, Jesus, we need you to teach us how to pray? Because I stand here humbly saying, I've got some things that I want to learn and experience in a fresh way in prayer. And so to put you all at ease, let me tell you about my experience with prayer. 
Because I've been in the local church since before I could even remember what was going on. I was uh, brought in on about day eight, I imagine, and I've been here ever since. But if I'm honest, I'd have to say that I've got a checkered history with prayer. There's days that prayer for me has been in the thesaurus alongside the words slow and boring. And this is your pastor speaking. There's days that prayer meetings have been filled with me not listening to what anyone else is praying, but trying to script a great prayer in my head so that when I finally open my mouth, everybody else thinks that I'm a good prayer. There's times when I've wrestled with whether my prayers are actually making a difference. There's days where I felt less than spiritual because deep inside I feel like if I really was you know, a spiritual person, my desire for prayer would be greater. You know, for me, prayer hasn't always been an easy partner in my journey of following Jesus. But all of that I say alongside a long history of loving God and loving Jesus and wanting to serve him. There's never been a lack of zeal in my heart or my spirit to do the things of God, to learn more about God, to walk in his footsteps and to make a difference on planet Earth. But sometimes prayer has been... a, a strange space alongside all of those things. You know, I read a book years ago on spiritual leadership and there was a page in there that spoke to leaders and prayer. I want to read a quote from it because it actually, at that time and in many times of my life, has summed up my experience with prayer. The author writes this, the challenge of prayer for leaders is that people who are gifted at leading tend to find the process of being still before God a torturous one. They would rather just do something and hope that God blesses it. Anyone else ever felt like that? Rather just do something and hope that God blesses it. Leaders tend to be go-getters who are tempted to rely on their own gifting. And as a result, most spiritual leaders have to work hard at their prayer life, constantly governing their desire to act before spending adequate time in prayer and maybe that sums up your story as well maybe you wouldn't say I'm a leader but maybe you would say I've had that same wrestle that prayer feels like this contemplative space that doesn't exist neatly for me because my mind is already racing to the next thing that we should do the next thing that we should change the next conversation to be had and then you run and you run and you run and sometimes you wonder why you're running really hard but God doesn't seem to be running alongside you See, sometimes we just want to do this stuff and hope that God blesses what we're doing. I believe God wants to give us a brand new rhythm. And if you want to look at what a really healthy rhythm of prayer looks like, the best place to start is in the life of Jesus. Because Jesus had a still space and a contemplative space and a space of retreat and a space of conversation with his father but it was also alongside a space of great purpose great activity great action great busyness and a very relentless schedule i mean jesus life was full in every sense it was full of the challenge of leadership it was full of the challenge of popularity and celebrity, dealing with the crowds that seemed to find a way to inhabit every space 
that Jesus found himself. Jesus would go somewhere for dinner and people would just invite themselves in. Jesus would go up a mountainside and people wouldn't even pack lunch and thousands would follow him there. Jesus would walk around the lake and people would walk around the lake with him. Jesus would jump on a boat and they'd all stand on the shore and ask him to teach them. Jesus was building a reputation that he couldn't get away from. Jesus had a relentless schedule. Jesus had team issues. Maybe you're in a world where you just think, man, I don't have time to pray because if you knew all the management issues I've got in my team, and maybe when you think management issues, you don't have a team in a workplace, you've just got a family. And you just think, if I, you knew all the management issues I had with my family, you would understand why I struggle to find time to play, to pray and to play. That's a different series. Lord, teach us how to play. It's probably a good series, isn't it? Later in the year. But we'll just go with pray for the first term. Jesus dealt with criticism and conflict. Jesus constantly had people that were analysing his every word. They were downloading his every podcast to find out when he slipped up or said something that was going to be offensive to someone. Imagine if Jesus had podcasts. Just imagine how much critique they would have gone under. Jesus carried a purpose and a mission that was larger than life itself. If you think you're too busy to pray, go to the life of Jesus and ask him to be your model because there's something incredible we find in the life of Jesus because he found a way to balance all of that with a place of communion and conversation and prayer with his father. Let me give you a couple of examples of it. A couple of stories that you may be familiar with in the scriptures. There was a moment where Jesus does go to a mountainside and the scriptures tell us that 5,000 men follow him. Just part of the culture where they would have counted the men. But you add all the kids and the rest and the women and the families. It was like a lot more than 5,000 people. But none of them thought to bring lunch. They just thought we'd turn up to church, they feed us something. But they didn't bring lunch. And so Jesus says, these people are going to get hungry. The disciples say to Jesus, these people are hungry. You should send them home or send them off to go get something to eat. And Jesus says, no, 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 you give them something to eat. And they're all like, what a, of course he thinks we should feed them. But then he takes some bread and some fishes and he blesses them and a miracle occurs. We don't know how the miracle occurs, but everybody on that mountainside that day got fed. The next significant story in Jesus, uh, in the way that Matthew tells that, goes on to say that then Jesus had his disciples out on the water and a storm came up. And as the disciples were starting to freak out about the storm, they look out on the water and guess what's happening on the water? Jesus is walking on the surface of the water. You might be familiar with that story. I mean, two significant moments, feeding of the 5,000 and walking on water. Two significant moments, two significant miracles, two significant statements to the power and the glory of God. But there's a verse in between those two stories. And you know what it said? Matthew 14, verse 23. After he had dismissed them, this is after he fed them, He went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Feed the thousands. Jesus then does what? Heads up the mountain by himself to pray. While he's up the mountain, the disciples are on the boat. The storm kicks up and guess what? Next minute, Jesus walks out to them on the water. I mean, go to the Gospel of Mark. And Mark tells a very quick fire account of the life of Jesus. Like he's, he's healing someone there and he's delivering someone there and he's preaching the message there and he's confronting the Pharisees there. And it's just like Mark just goes, boom. He's like the quick fire gospel. If you want the action oriented gospel, just go to Mark because he doesn't love a long story. He loves a short one. Some of us just love people that get to the point. Mark gets to the point. But in the very first chapter of Mark, 
He says this of Jesus, verse 35, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. I mean, in all of the miracles that Jesus was participating in and bringing heaven to earth, Mark tells us that early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. I could never have written Mark's gospel because I never would have known Jesus left the house. I'm never up before the sun rises, but Jesus, the only time he could find was before the sunrise. Another significant moment. I mean, who you put on your team really matters, doesn't it? If you're in an organisation where you have employees or you need to employ staff, you would know that the people that you have on your team really matter. If you're here and you're married, you would know that the decision to who you marry really matters. If you're here and you're not married, the decision of who you marry will really matter. They'll do life with you. The people we surround ourselves with really matter. And Jesus, as he begins his ministry, invites 12 people to become his inner circle. That's a big decision. That's an important decision. And if you look at the people that Jesus invited to be his disciples, they weren't exactly the candidates that you would expect. They were fishermen and, you know, there was a zealot. He was trying to he was like really, he was the guy posting all the political stuff on Facebook that you block after a while because it's too much. And then there was Matthew, who was a tax collector, and he's already blocked the zealot because the zealot's talking about how they should go and get guys like Matthew. And, and then there's the fishermen, they're just the, the rough guys telling inappropriate jokes and paying each other. I mean, Jesus put a ragtag bunch of 12 around him, but I don't think it was just an off the cuff decision because the Gospel of Luke tells us this. Luke 6, verse 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to, to pray and spent the night praying to God. It then tells us in the very next action, Jesus comes down from the mountain and goes and appoints the disciples. You see, before the choice of who'd be his disciples, Jesus is found talking to his father. I mean, fast forward to the end of Jesus' life, and, and it wasn't all easy because Jesus gets to a moment where he's very aware of what comes next and what comes next isn't nice. Because everything that his life represented and every purpose that his life stood for was actually not just to come and make life better for some people there. Like when Jesus did some of the miracles and some of the healings and some of the deliverance, it was incredible. And through that, he testified that he was more than just a man. And through that, Jesus testified to us about his power and his glory and about who he was, the son of God. But Jesus didn't come just to make life better for a few. He actually came to bring redemption, deliverance, and hope to all people of all time. And so the way that was going to come was when he come face to face with the authorities of the day, which would ultimately lend him to being nailed to a Roman cross, the most horrific, brutal, torturous type of death that you can face. And as Jesus knew all that was before him, he takes his disciples to a garden named Gethsemane. And he says to them this, Matthew 6, sit here while I go over there and pray. And then he comes back to them and they're falling asleep and he goes, couldn't you just pray with me for a little while? Like it's our prayer. This is a, Jesus right in that moment is just desperate in prayer and his disciples are falling asleep. It's like my sermon some days. It's like, come on, can't you just stay with me for like 42 minutes? No, 32 minutes. Jesus 
filled with anguish. The scripture tells us that Jesus is so filled with anguish that his sweat is like drops of blood. It is that just thick and intense. And Jesus in that moment turns to prayer. Luke sums it up for all of us. Luke 5.16. This is how he describes the life of Jesus. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. You see, as I look at the life of Christ, it was busy, it was relentless, it was challenging, it was confronting. It never left him. But the thing that he carried in some beautiful balance was this space of retreat and prayer. You know what? I've got something to learn from the picture of Jesus. And the disciples had something that compelled them as they watched this play out, as they watched Jesus just retreat from the crowd and sit in conversation with his dad, as they watched Jesus come from the mountain and say, I want you on my team, as they watched Jesus perform miracles, but then not just stay there to just receive adoration upon adoration, but withdraw and to talk to his dad, as they watched Jesus in his most challenging, confronting moments, retreat to a place of conversation with his father. The disciples came to him and they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Jesus modeled a deep, intimate connection with his father. See, prayer wasn't just a religious duty. It wasn't the Hail Mary pass. It wasn't something he had to do. It partnered Jesus through every decision, challenge, confrontation, and opportunity that he faced. And I figure if the son of God himself thinks that prayer is a good thing to engage in, we should take his lead and ask him to do something in us, to build a passion for prayer in us. You know, as we say, we're going to talk about prayer until the power of prayer gives our heart. It's not we're going to talk about prayer until we're all over the topic. The prayer and desire we have as a church, as a leadership this year, is that as we talk about prayer, it wouldn't be just more information, but there'd be something for all of us. That the desire to be in prayer, the desire to regularly retreat into the presence of Jesus individually and we with each other, wouldn't just become another box that we tick of religious duty, but it would be something that becomes the very marriage partner of the life that God has called us to and the purpose that he has for us as a church. You know, for those that were here on Friday night, I spoke to the vocation that the church has. In other words, the church does not just exist to make our corporate lives better. It's not just a good idea. It's not just a club that we all hang out with. Jesus formed the church, the gathering of his people with a purpose and with a mission. You see, the local church is the hope of the world. It's the carrier of the kingdom message of Jesus. The local church are the ones called to be salt and light. Light, we get, it shines into dark places. And we as the church are called to be a group of people and a voice that exposes and liberates those that are in darkness. But we're also called to be the salt. And Tim last week said salt is something that has taste. But more than that, salt is something that preserves. The church exists to stop things going bad. We're here to stop things just decaying to nothing. We have a vocation. We are called as the church to carry in word and action the kingdom mandate of love, of grace, of justice, of mercy, of care for the poor and the marginalized. How good was the bloom response from our church? Guess what? It got better from Monday when Jace recorded that video. It's now over 240,000 
dollars that have come in from the generous heart of people at Gateway that want to make a difference in the other part of the world. You know the thing that we celebrated the most about the Bloom offering this year? It wasn't the figure, but it was the amount of people that jumped on board to do it. I always say we're better together than we are on our own. And when we all just do the little bit that we can do, and a whole bunch of you in this room did the little bit that you could do, you don't have a lot of money at the end of 2020, it's been a really tight year, but you felt prompted and you gave something. And it was little, but that's okay because there's a whole bunch of other people that gave their little bit into their capacity. And guess what? The end story is a really good one. But that's us being the church. You know, the church are the ones called to use our gifts and our resources to build each other up, to bless our community, and to build a kingdom that is not our own. But not one of us has the power, the capacity, the goodness, or the grace to do that on our own. So as a church, this year, we want to lean into Jesus in prayer and learn to live out of the power of the Spirit that he gives to us. You know, so often, I've got to be honest, I've looked at the need and I felt so helpless. So often I've come to a circumstance where I think, I don't know how to affect this or change this. I've worked hard, I've put all my best thinking into it, and it doesn't seem to be moving forward. Many days as I've led this church over the last nine years, I've sat at home going, God, maybe it's my time to give this caper up, pass it on to someone else that you can use, because I've come to the end of knowing what to do next. Many days... Some of you in youth ministry and Jimmy as he steps in, I've been talking to Jimmy as he steps into a brand new ministry and there's so much that you look at and go, man, we don't even know where to start. There's so many things that are battling for the attention of our young people. There's so many things that are battling for the devotion and the affection of our young people. It's hard to get some of our young guys off the phone long enough to tell them that Jesus loves them while they're comparing themselves to everybody else. We don't even know where to start. We've got a care ministry that's born out of a heart of wanting to bless our community. And there's days where we say, Jesus, we put all of our good thought, all our good thinking, all of our good leaders into this space. What do you want to do next? We've all been there. We've all had moments like that where it's just felt like we don't know where to go next. And I wonder if the reason that we've got there is we've tried to do it, as that quote I read you before says, in our own strength, hoping that God just blesses it as we go. And maybe the thing God wants to say is, I never asked you to do this in your own strength. I just asked you to be faithful and obedient. But if you don't even know the thing that I'm calling you to do, how can you be faithful and obedient to it? I need you to find the balanced church. I think he's saying, well, I know he's saying to me, I need you as a leader to find the balance. Bring your best to the table. Run hard, work hard, give your best. Put your best thinking. You know, God has gifted us not to sit still. But he says, oh, keep me in the conversation. Listen to my promptings. Do what I say. Stop well so you go well. Let me speak into the things that you've come to a dead end on. Let me speak vision into the things that you can't see a way out of. I stand here today and I ask, are we willing, church, to ask the question, teach us to pray? Jesus, teach us to pray. Not just a liturgy, not just a bunch of words, not just something that we do to tick a box, but Jesus, would the power of prayer grip our hearts Would we stand at the end of this year and go, man, we saw some incredible stuff and someone's going to say, well, what did you do different? We just prayed more. 
And God started to fill the gaps that we couldn't fill. Jesus answered the disciples' question by giving them what is known as the Lord's Prayer. We prayed it together this morning. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the power and the kingdom and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus gave his disciples a prayer. And I want to give you that prayer as a starting point. We're going to pray it together every single week. You might want to make it a little habit over this next term to pray it together in your life groups. You see, the Lord's Prayer is not a formula. It's not something that you go, okay, well, that's all we need to do. As long as we use those words, we're right. No, no, no. Jesus teaches something deep in the way that he frames the Lord's Prayer. You know, next week, we're going to just start with the very first two words of the Lord's Prayer, our Father. Right from the start, Jesus wants to invite us into a place of intimacy. We're going to talk about that next week. But he also invites us to, to raise our eyes, our Father, hallowed be your name. Holy, mighty is your name. All honour to your name. Your kingdom come. Jesus, what we see in heaven that we so crave on earth, we're not just holding out to the day you take us there. You want us to bring your kingdom to come and bear on earth. You want lost people to be found and broken people to be healed. Addicted people to be set free. Jesus, that is what happens when the kingdom comes to earth and the kingdom came to earth because Jesus came to earth and brought it. We're going to talk about all this stuff because the Lord's Prayer is not a formula, but it's an invitation into a new dynamic life of standing in the way of Jesus and following in the footsteps of Jesus and leaning into the mission of Jesus that we together as a church are going to do over this term. We're going to talk about the power of prayer until, uh, talk about prayer until the power of prayer grips our hearts. And so let me just talk for a moment as we come into land about what it's going to look like practically for us. You know, if you're in a life group, every life group leader, here's your training for the year. Make prayer a priority in your group. If what you do as a group is catch up and share stories and do coffee, just make sure that you mark the end of the night by praying. It doesn't have to be long, it doesn't have to be arduous. You might just want to pray the Lord's Prayer together, but pray together. When we come together on Sundays, we're going to be praying together. Every ministry, I want to encourage you, before you start, just find a time to stop and just bring God into that space. Just pray together. We're going to pray like our life depends on it because our life does depend on it. And our church depends on it. And our community depends on a praying church to hear the word and the guidance and the leading of God to actually go and step into their brokenness. So let me talk about the rhythm of prayer in our church. As I do this, a couple on our welcome team are going to start wandering around. They've got some cards that are going to hand you that we're going to use in just a moment. If you need a pen, we've got some pens floating around as well. Just wave at them. But grab a card, a prayer card, as uh, I talk about the rhythm of prayer for this year. I'm going to get the band to come join me as well. Prayer is going to look a little bit different for us this year in terms of how we gather. And we're going to have four things each term that we're going to do in prayer together corporately. And the first one is this, starting this Tuesday morning. Uh, we're going to start every week from 6.30 to 7 a.m. having an online Zoom prayer meeting. Now, some of you go, online Zoom prayer meeting? If I told you this 12 months ago, you'd all think we're crazy. But in the last 12 months, we discovered that you can actually engage meaningfully online. And so we want to make prayer accessible. And so from this Tuesday morning at 6.30, uh, we're going to start 
a 30-minute prayer meeting on Zoom. We've been doing this in different places at Gateway for the last couple of months. And you might go, that sounds super awkward. Actually, give it a go because it's not. You can actually be present and you, you don't have to say anything. You can just listen and agree. We've had people join our Zoom prayer meetings that don't pray out loud, but just write some scripture in the chat that God's led them to as we've been praying. You know, it's going to be facilitated. We're going to lead you through some prayer for 30 minutes every Tuesday morning. And in those prayer meetings, we're going to be praying as a church for our community. We're going to be praying for the lost and the broken and the hurt. We're going to be praying that God's kingdom would come in Ormo in the surrounding areas, that we as a church would be salt and light. We're going to pray for our community every Tuesday morning. That's through the school term. Uh, the guys have just got a little slide to show you how to get there. If you've not become familiar with our website, go to gatewaybaptist.com.au. On the very right-hand side, you'll see it says campuses. Go down there and you'll find Ormo, which uh, if you haven't worked out, is the campus that you're a part of. Please don't choose others. I don't want to lose any of you. To the other. No, I'm only joking. Go to Ormo, and this page will arrive, and at the top, you can click events. If you go to the event part of the Ormo website, you'll see a link for Zoom prayer. If you click that more info, a page is going to come up that looks just like that. And if you click that big orange button that says, join us on Zoom, guess what? Welcome to the prayer meeting. You're in. Click it this afternoon if you want, but you'll just be a blank screen staring at yourself. Click it 6.30 Tuesday morning, and you'll see my wonderful face. I look very bright and refreshed in the mornings. 6.30, to get out of bed early for that one. But join us for prayer on Zoom every Tuesday morning. Wednesdays, we're going to start setting aside time at lunch every Wednesday. It's the one day that the staff team at Ormo all work together at our care centre. And so we've just determined as a leadership team, we're going to, over lunch every Wednesday, gather in prayer for our church. That's the time we're going to be praying for you guys. It's a time where we want to bring the request that you email through and join as a group and bring that before God. It's the, the time we're going to pray for our ministries and our needs. If you've got a need, every week our team's going to be praying for you. But it's not just about the staff team. We just, we feel led to do that together. But we want to open that up for whoever wants to join us. If you've got Wednesday lunchtime's free or you work locally and you get an hour lunch break and you want to pop down or you're just driving past, we'd love you to come join us. 12 to 12.30 every Wednesday. Straight after that, we're just going to do lunch together. It's BYO lunch. I'm not shouting you every week. But bring your lunch, and we're just going to hang out and have half an hour together, um, just sharing lunch. So anyone that wants to join us on Wednesdays, we'd love you to come to the care center as we pray for our church and all of you. Sundays, every Sunday before church, we pray for our service. 9.30 at the front here. Everyone that's serving that day is part of that, but it is open to whoever wants to be here as we pray for our Sundays. And then once a term, we're going to have a brig prayer and worship gathering. That's the one we want all you to come to, right? And that's going to be here at Livingston. Term one, it's on Tuesday, March the 2nd at 7 p.m. here in the hall. We're going to be praying together. We're going to be worshiping together. We're going to be crying out to God together. We're going to be asking the question, Lord, teach us to pray. I've got eight more weeks, on, seven more weeks on prayer, so I'm going to stop there so there's something left for next week. But my response today is really, really simple. It's just twofold. It's this. If, if, if I can pray for you, a simple prayer this morning, it's this. Lord, teach us to pray. It's all I'm going to pray. And I'm saying to Jesus this morning, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach me to pray. Teach us as a church to pray. Let, let, let prayer go to a new level 
depth and experience for us. Let us find a new power in prayer, a new joy in prayer, a new desire to be sitting in prayer. If that's a prayer you'd love me to pray for you, if that's the question that you want to ask Jesus, if that's the thing you want to say to him this morning, just as I pray, I'm going to ask you to do two things. One, if you're comfortable doing this, just put your hands out like this. It's just, it's just for me, this, this stance does two things as I pray. Sometimes I use this stance as a place of saying, God, there's something I need from you. I'm asking, can I receive something from you? But there's other times I just use it as an act of surrender. There's something about having empty hands that says, okay, I come with nothing. So today I want to ask you just as an act of surrender, say, God, I bring nothing, but just a desire to learn to pray. If I can pray that prayer for you this morning, why don't right now as you sit, you just put your hands out like this. Let me pray for us as a church this year that Jesus would teach us to pray. Lord Jesus, teach us to pray as you pray. Take us to new depth, new places, new joy, new peace. Give us a new desire, new motivation. Lord, we stand here on the cusp of a year of unknowns, a year of uncertainty. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what next week holds. God, we certainly don't know what it looks like by the end of 2021. But right now, we stand in faith, knowing that you are good, that you are moving, that you are active, that you're bringing change. God, we stand with the knowledge that you call us to be your people in the midst of that. But Lord Jesus, we can't do this in our own strength, our own power, our own wisdom. We need you. So Lord, teach us to pray. Amen. Hey, uh, you just got handed a prayer card. We're going to use these a few times over the next term. And uh, today I want you to flip it the way that says, my prayer for my church. And just as we uh, sing this next song, the, the band's going to teach a song this morning. It's a song that uh, has been written by our team for this series. And so they're going to teach a song. And uh, as they do that, as you listen to the words of the song, that's just based around the Lord's Prayer. I just, just want to ask you, what's your prayer for us this year? What's your prayer for your church this year? Maybe just as we uh, have the band play over us, why don't you write a prayer for the church? Why don't you stick it in your Bible, stick it in your wallet, take a photo of it and put it on your phone, put it on your home screen, do whatever you need to do to keep it fresh and current. And as you pray the Lord's Prayer, use this as something else that you play regularly for us as a church, that we would be God's people in this community. Why don't you write your prayer? And as you finish that, if you want to take a photo, you can hold on to that if you want. If you want to take a photo of it, do that. If you're happy for us to have it so we can add it to the prayers that we pray on Wednesdays, we'd love you just to come and place it on the barrel down the front before you leave today so we can collect those and use them as a prompt for our prayers. But what is your prayer for your church? Not your prayer or someone else's, your prayer for your church. This is your church. It's where God's called you to be. This is your people. This is your place. What's your prayer for your church? Write that now. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.